Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Aloud About Film slash the Yousef Shaheen podcast. Uh, this is another context around Yousef Shaheen and it's our, our second edition we think of Yousef Shaheen Film Club where we're working through um, films that Shaheen recommended in his uh, mid, mid-70s interview that was made available by Mubi. Uh, today we're going to be talking about The Will from 1939. Uh, so Jose, what did you think? I, I loved it. However, I after I saw it and I began reading a little bit about it, of which there is very, very little that I could find immediately uh, on Google, uh, I was surprised to find that it regularly features as one as e- 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 Egyptian culture's top film. And actually within Egypt, in critics poll, it's often judged one of the greatest films of all time from anywhere. Yeah, I, I saw one reference to it as being the, the Citizen Kane of Egypt. Yes, um, yeah, and that so. I absolutely do not get. I enjoyed it too. I thought it was very good. I wouldn't rate it as highly as that, but then perhaps you'll, you know, I, we don't really know what came before in terms of Egyptian cinema. You know, uh, No, but we now have a distance of, you know, 80 years. We've all seen a lot of things. Um, I can understand the position that this film might have his- historically within the development of, of film cultures uh, in Egypt. Um, but, you know, I think it's a very good uh, 40s-style uh, melodrama. It's very proficient. Uh, it's in no way cinematically dazzling in any way. Uh, its value for me, lies in the way that it does evoke a way of life. I think uh, what I saw it praised for, which was a depiction of, you know, the ghetto, you know, poor people uh, with all of their, you know, problems and so on. I, I don't quite agree with it. Yeah, I mean, to me, these are not, you know, the wretched of the earth. These are people who have shops and have apartments and you know, have businesses uh, and who've gone to university. I mean, I think to me, these would be, you know, middle class people, really. That is interesting, isn't it? Because as you say, a lot of articles, I say a lot because there aren't many, refer to it as as being one of the first films or the first film to to depict life in in the slums of Egypt. I, I wouldn't describe what was being depicted as as a slum maybe that's a mistranslation of of, of whatever, whatever term was, was actually being used but there are people who are you know struggling for money struggling to make the rent on the shop and so on but they've been but the reason they're struggling to make the to pay the rent on the shop is that they've paid to send the son to yeah, university so it's, they're not the underclass no they're not way. the underclass and they're not even what i would consider you know, um, working class people. Mm. I mean, you know, they are on the threshold of something else. So it's true, you know, that the son, after he loses his job, you know, with the government, ends up working in a shop. So, you know, working in a shop would be like a working class job, right? So they are, you know, they are on that threshold. And I suppose it's that uh, class of, you know, small shopkeepers, but of which you are only introduced to... So, for example, you see the butcher and you see his employees. 
but the drama centers on the butcher, right? You know, you see the barber and you see lots of people working on the barber shop, but you see the owner of the barber shop. You know, you see the funeral director, you don't see his employees, right? So to me, if you're really dealing with slum people, you'll be dealing with those employees who work in a barber shop rather than the owner yeah, of the yeah. barber shop, right? Yeah. So I suspect, you know, that these things about calling it a slum are are articles written by people from a higher class who see it as a slum. <laughs> It, it reminds me of, uh, I was having my haircut recently and my, my barber was complaining about um, well-off students in, in Oxford getting their haircut and asking questions like, so is this your job, <laughs> being a barber? <laughs> so, what the fuck, the fuck do you think I'm doing? Of course it is. I own the shop, you know. Did you, did you think it was location footage or, or sex? I did, I, I wasn't well, sure. I thought it was both. Yeah. yeah. But um, I did have a feeling that there was location uh, uh, footage, actually. Uh, I think I could be wrong, um, but I think it would have been too expensive, you know, or, or it was a mammoth production, right? Because one of the things that I did love about the film, and, and I must say I like this film very much, right? So I don't want people to misunderstand me. There's a, you know, there's a lot to love here. And, you know, one of the things that I really liked is that evocation of a, of a way of life or, you know, of a structure of feeling around the way of life that you, you saw always lots of people in the frame you know and they're often interacting and you see them you know in the shops in the cafes on the street yeah kind of in the neighborhood where they live in the barber shop right and one of the things that i love about this cinema which is very unlike for example the kind of individualist neoliberal type of cinema that we're now seeing on netflix you know, which often focuses on the individual or the immediate interrelationship. So you'll often have close-ups, two shots in medium yeah, shots, that kind of thing. Here you have like, you know, a medium shot, yeah, with like yeah, eight people in the frame, right, all interacting with each other while one speaks, right? So it's, whereas, you know, that same kind of thing you, you'd have done in Netflix now with just a close-up of the person speaking. Yeah, again, so it's sort of similar, I guess, to the way Shaheen was able to marshal huge crowds of people in those, those early films. And I, th I think there was there was some interesting bits here where, like, I think scenes in the barber shop, for instance, where you know someone's having their hair cut inside the shop, but it's you can then see outside the window. There's all this action going on, and you know people walking up and down, cars going past, and so on. And it, it's you know quite quite impressively done. And if it, if it's a set, it's very impressive. If it's location, it's also impressive that they managed to get that shot and make it work. Yes. Um, and I have a feeling that, you know, many of those things, and it's just a suspicion, uh, would be shot on location or, you know, they have a fantastic set dresser because, you know, you do see a difference between the interiors of the homes, yeah, uh, that are clearly shot on, on uh, at, at a studio, right, and those other... Uh, shots of businesses of the street with the butcher you know uh, um, hacking at uh, a piece of meat that kind of thing which feels like it's shot on location and the reason why is because you know the decor of interiors or even the rooftop yeah which seems a set uh, is that you know you'll often have like a duck yeah or a goose but you only have one Right, and you don't get the messiness that goes along with having like real ducks and geese, and yeah, yeah. That's why I was assuming that a lot of it was actually studio set rather than, because it just looked too clean. Yes, 
Well, I, th I think there, there, there might be something in that. But on the other hand, you know, when you look at the barbershop scene, like there are so many gugans. The set is dressed, at least, right? You know, in, in a way that seems like really full. The sets are much more impressive than comparing it to Papa Amin yes. from which is about 15 years later, yes. where, the, where the, the interiors of the apartments and so on were really quite bare and basic and didn't look particularly realistic. Yes. Many things are impressive. I think the actors are, are wonderful. Uh, and again, they feel like movie stars, you know. Um, it's a pleasure to see them. You know, the integration of uh, song and also the circus element, you know, that bit where the man, uh, you know, has naked women on his shoulders and waves them around to make them move, right? Like, things like that are, like, you know, really marvelous and witty and, yeah. And it does feel like it was shot at a fair or yeah or something like that. Um, so so all of those things were were wonderful. Um, the relationships between the people I thought were also kind of interesting, but less in terms of um, you know realism is such a difficult word because it means such different things at such different times, you know. Uh, but let's say that. You know, in this film, social relations are indicated and legible without being quite convincing, right? So, you know, uh, the attitudes of the rich boys, like, feel very melodramatic, you know, like, yeah. Uh, hey, that's melodrama for you, though, isn't it? You know, that, and I, I, have, I have no problems with it, you know. Uh, I mean, I think the only thing I want to tease out is that the film is spoken of in Egypt as a precursor to neorealism. And you can see where they're coming from, but actually it doesn't quite convince. No, no, no. Uh, Should we talk a bit about the plot? Yes, why don't you, really you tell it? Yeah, yeah. So, so basically uh, we're, we're in this sort of, well, not a slum we've, we've established, but basically the, the, the son of the barber has just graduated from university um, the barber has used his savings to pay for that on, on, on the basis the son will get a job and, and pay him back. The son is also in love with a, with a young woman, uh, but the young woman is being pursued by the elderly butcher, who's kind of the antagonist in the film. Um, the son then decides, the son has a rich friend who's, who's left college early and is a bit dissolute. Um, and, he talks to that guy's father and they agree to go into business together, him and him and the rich boys, the rich boy. Um, and this goes badly as you'd expect, you know, the rich boy gambles the money away. Um, everything falls apart. Everything gets better again. He gets a job. He marries the girl. Everything falls apart again because <laughs> he loses the job, has to get a job in a, in a, in a department store. Um, yeah. And then, you know, doesn't tell the wife, the wife finds out all goes haywire again. But then, you know, luckily the rich boy has turned nice and everything everything kind of gets sorted out right at the last minute, but the wife almost gets married to the butcher. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's great. There's all these ups and downs. It's misunderstandings, it's a kind of chase at the end where he has to, you know, can he overturn the wedding before the divorce becomes final and all of this kind of stuff. Um, it, I, I find it very interesting and, it, and it's, you know, in terms of the social relations, in terms of the kind of sexual politics, um, you know, the, the way that, I mean, the, the divorce just happens because he just says we are divorced. I mean, that, that kind of thing. Um, the uh, the kind of stuff you get often in Shaheen films with the clash between 
you know, tradition and modernity. So the, the, the poor families are all wearing, you know, they're all wearing fezes, they're all wearing traditional robes. Then he visits the rich person's house and it's all kind of, you know, jazz music, dancing, and, and uh, they're, you know, they're laughing at his embracing tradition and all this kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was very interesting and it was sort of, I think, particularly interesting given Shaheen praises this director to compare it particularly to those early Shaheen films and those kind of domestic comedies like you get with, with Papa Amin, because the family set up in the apartment was, you know, very, a very similar range of characters, you know, the, yes. the, yeah, the, the young boy, the, 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 the kind of university student, the, the sister, the, you know, the, the, the trilling mother. Is, uh, I think this is superior to Daddy Amin. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is that Daddy Amin has m- moments of moments that dazzle, right? You know, either through the camera or through composition or actually through the songs, right? You know, and you're just kind of thrilled at those moments. Whereas actually, I think this to me doesn't really have any of those moments, um, but is very. Um, wonderful about uh, creating complex social relations that take into account almost like all aspects of life, yeah? So, uh, you know, class, gender, familial relationships within the family, you know, uh, bonds of obligation uh, amongst friends, uh, the way that uh, people need a crowd to be protected. So, you know, whenever a fight erupts, it's like there are already preformed gangs around it, yeah? So all of which kind of indicate a kind of a totalitarian and failed state, yeah? You know, so I was reading uh, Slavoj Žižek on violence, and he was so interesting because he was saying, well, you know, one of the characteristics of uh, totalitarian states, yeah, is that they include mercy, <laughs> yeah, as a, a, a critical component of the way that they are perceived, because, you know, it's a culture in which, which has all these prohibitions where everything is pro- prohibited, but nonetheless, everything is done, right? And people know who to bribe to get what, yeah? Uh, so that means that, you know, the state is merciful. It forgives all of these transgressions to its laws, right? <laughs> yeah. And I thought there was something about that here as well, yeah, that like, you know, nobody can get a job, nobody can get a job. You know, you, you speak to the rich person, all of a sudden you get the job, right? And everybody's falling over themselves with apologies and ignoring you. Uh, that, and that, that is interesting, isn't it? And, and Shaheen in, in the interview talks about um, is it Kamal, Kamal Salim um, as being, well, first he says uh, one of the first communists in Egypt, but then, then corrects himself and says sort of very left wing. Um, but yeah, so he was a, you know, a socialist, coming from a socialist point of view. And he was only... Um, 26 or 27 when he made this film yeah it's a young um, man's film yeah uh, and, uh, and actually died not long he, he died in 1946 unfortunately so, yeah. so uh, uh. you can tell that it's a young man's film actually just from the very beginning and I think the film is interesting and maybe this is why it's considered you know one of the great uh, Egyptian films of all time or the greatest Egyptian film of all time because you can see how it continues to be resonant, even to a foreigner like me, right? You know, so this idea of finishing school, getting a degree, having, you know, your family put their livelihood in danger so that 
you know, you can have this. And then coming out to a position where there are no jobs and when you're ignored and, you know, where there, there seems to be no way forward for you. It's something that must resonate with all young kids now. Yeah, and it is a, it's a young person's perspective. I, I think an older person wouldn't even think about this as a problem. It happened to you so long ago, right? <laughs> uh, and the focus on, on love and on getting love and on, get, on developing love and the neighborhood girl and, you know, not having money and those rivalries. I think they're also a young person's concern or certainly the way that it's uh, developed here. Yeah, and the perspective that, you know, there's this kind of marriage for love and that compared to, you know, the girl's girl's mother who is, you know, going to sort of effectively arrange the marriage with the with the older man, presumably for the for the for the dowry. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to compare this with with the early Shaheen stuff, particularly when you when you look at the where they where where Kamal Salim was in his life versus where Shaheen was, because uh, as far as there's not much I can find about about Kamal Salim, but he was. Yeah, he studied filmmaking in France. So he'd gone, he'd gone abroad to study film. Come back to Egypt in mid twenties, late twenties. This is his second film. So I mean, this is very similar to where Shaheen was at when he was making those first melodramas. The big difference being that a it's fifteen years later, and Shaheen was actually able to study in America. Whereas my understanding is um, that uh, Kamal Salim went to France, then two weeks later, the president of France was uh, assassinated and he was deported back to Egypt. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So maybe he went to the cinema while he was there and that was it. <laughs> uh, so, that, you know, that is what I've read. I don't know whether it's correct or not, yeah. Uh, so, and he, you know, he returned to Egypt and began kind of working at uh, studios right away and began making films right away. Um, and, and I think that you can, you can kind of tell yeah, that, you know, that uh, uh, Shaheen is somebody who was not only a film fan, uh, but who was an educated film fan. Myself and, you know, people you know, you, there's a difference between, you know, somebody who's just watched lots of films and, you know, they tell you trivia about every film, right? You know, and the one who can, uh, you know, dissect how a scene is shot for you and what the difference in the choices of camera setup might be, right? And I think Shaheen had the latter type of knowledge, whereas I'm not sure uh, that Salim did. The filmmaking seems proficient, but also basic. Shaheen's narratives often feel like disjointed or there is something that often troubles you about it, right? Like, you know, we talked about his, his staging of some musical numbers. But then, kind of, you know, there are things that are just so truly dazzling. You know, the camera swoops up. Shaheen has the conceptual complexity and then, you know, the cinematic know-how to kind of render that complexity in audiovisual terms. I think here what you get is a complexity of social relations, some of which are not too convincing. So for example, the characterization of um, the the girlfriend played by Fatima Rushdie, um, I did. I you know I found her convincing at the beginning, yeah. But then her change of heart and her yeah, I, it's just I don't you know. The uh, the whole sequence where they where they split up, I wasn't really convinced by by either of their reactions during that whole sequence it makes a lie you know, of everything that went before if yeah you well, i mean you know why why is she so you because know, he the job he's doing it's a perfectly good job he just happens to be working in a you know in a department store yes but it's 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 just i guess it's that he's not told her but but they they just 
split up over this really quite trivial thing through through a misunderstanding and it, but it it did strike me with the plot it's kind of because it sort of gets to a certain point he you know he's got the job everything's sorted they get married i thought is this the end? No, it can't be the end of the film we've got about an hour to go and effectively the you almost get a completely separate plot for the for the second hour which is which is odd in the beginning there's the thing about getting the job there's you know the differences between a boy from a lower middle class family and a rich kid you know and how one is on his way to ruin and the other one has worked very hard and you know you have the, like this whole critique of you know the parasitic upper classes <laughs> right yeah, yeah. which is almost a cliche yeah on its own uh, uh, of course redeemed by the father right so that seems to be like one plot you know then you have him finally getting a job and being uh, fired out of an error you know, and that's not very well developed either. I mean, a better film would have uh, shown us, you know, the culprit of that and the reason for doing it and maybe somebody trying to sink him or somebody trying to get it down. Because the accusation was that he had sold that file because he needed money for his wedding, right? Well, why not make somebody else the culprit in stealing? Whereas, oh, no, the file's just been found, right? Yeah, and, the, and then it turns out that the... You know, the rich man's son has had a sudden change of heart and got a proper job and, and you, you're not really that's not really explained either and actually i think you know for all the communism that shaheen might have attributed uh to uh salim um what you get is almost like the opposite because what the film evokes to me is a dramatization of kind of real conflicts yeah uh but an imaginary resolution to them. So, you know, the rich playboy ends up being a good friend, right? And their friendship resumes even before, you know, uh, the, the, the reunion with the wife, which actually, you know, this, this friend uh, facilitates, right? So it is like the, you know, the whole coming together. Right? There is one scene where him and the friend are kind of gazing at each other in a way that you perhaps assume that the the real affections yeah. lie in a different direction. <laughs> but, uh, yes. A certain amount of eye fluttering goes on at that point. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is that, though, you know, I think that is um, a cultural difference. So, you yeah. know, when I, when I traveled in India, one of the things that surprised me was male friendship, yeah, which is very affectionate and people holding hands and so on. And actually, it doesn't have any connotations of sex, of sex in it. I mean, I, I've been criticizing it a lot. And nonetheless, the film works very well. Yeah, I think so. I I thought I thought it was very good, and we should say it's av so it's available on iTunes, which surprised me. I, I it had never really occurred to me to look for for this kind of stuff, but it, you you can buy it for one pound forty nine in in the UK. I presume it's available elsewhere. Very nice print, slightly odd subtitles. I would yes. say uh, there's certain points where it translates characters saying "OMG." <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect I suspect Pete, "OMG" was not a commonly used expression in 1930s Egypt. <laughs> But you get the gist, and, and it was really, you know, it actually really helped seeing this in a, you know, a, a sort of pristine, look very nicely restored version, rather than the kind of ropey copies of some of the stuff we've, we've been able to find. So, uh, unfortunately, on iTunes, none of this stuff is not indexed very well, so it's quite difficult to find out what else from from this kind of era is there. But I, I will investigate. One of the things that I'd recommend is if you are beginning an interest in Egyptian cinema, and certainly if you want some contextual background for Shaheen. Uh, this is a film to see, and I actually would recommend that you see it first or as quickly 
in your journey as possible because actually it does set the grounds for understanding of a lot of the later Egyptian films that we've seen. I mean, exactly. I mean, you, you're seeing a genre that Shaheen picked up on, you know, or possibly two genres, you know, the family comedies and, and the, um, and, and, and the melodramas. And I, you know, it is talked about as a very important film. So perhaps it was different from what went before. Um, I also wonder slightly whether part of the reason for the reputation is because the director died so young and did so few other films. And so it's seen as a kind of lost, lost hope. No, I suspect that there's more to it than that because, you know, he is also a filmmaker who did many films and yet this is the one that's, that's chosen. So there, there has to be more reasons. There have to be more reasons. Uh, for for doing that. I mean, for me, the film's major success is that it does depict a whole way of life with its varied social relations. You know, from the very beginning, you know, you're introduced to these characters, right? And it's all male worlds, you know, and then you're brought into the house, yeah, and the women, yeah, and again, you know, you see all of these different kind of relations, right? And also these families that are relatively well-to-do, but nonetheless on the cusp or threat of ruin. Yeah, kind of, you know, so I think all of those things are really interesting. Plus, there's all the subsidiary characters, all all the jokes, yeah, kind of, I'm sure there are, there are attitudes and ways of speech and so on that evoke a recognizable past that people relate to. Yeah, I can understand why this film has, you know, a particular place in Egyptian film culture. I just, you know, think that if what you're comparing it to is the rest of international cinema, then it falls quite short. <laughs> Certainly in the context of early Shaheen, I think it, sound, it stands up really, really well. Yes. Um, yeah. All right, do you want to add anything? I don't think so. Okay, no. well, I would just recommend that, uh, that people see it. And as Richard said, this is a really beautiful print uh, on Apple. Uh, very much uh, worth seeing. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. We are thinking aloud about film. Bye-bye. Thank you.